San Diego First Church, so good to be with you again here on our Living Lectionary series, our devotional series in which we engage uh, the lectionary passages for this week. I am here as always with Pastor D. Kelly. Good to be with you. Thanks, Matt. Good to be here. Today we are uh, having our Connecting Points podcast in which we look at the text that was from our sermon on Sunday and connect it to one of the lectionary passages for the week. This week, we are looking at Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13, going through verse 35. Uh, And as always, I will uh, read the passage for us from the NRSV. Here it goes. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you're walking along? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Clopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? And they replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. And as they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening, and the day is nearly now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us when he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening up the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. And they were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told them about what had happened on the road, and how he had been known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Now, this is quite a lengthy passage, um, but this is known as the road to Emmaus passage that takes place after Jesus's resurrection. 
uh, one of the many stories here in the Gospel of Luke. But Dee, looking at kind of the sermon that you gave on Sunday, uh, help us kind of find some bridges uh, between this passage that is certainly chock full of uh, so much meaning. And I mean, we could spend uh, several podcasts here in this one passage, but help us build some bridges to kind of your sermon from First Peter on Sunday. Uh, my mind actually goes back, Matt, to a year ago right now when, uh, pardon me, um, I'm not sure it was a year ago, but it was the last time we came across this particular Road to Emmaus passage, hmm. um, which might have been during uh, the Easter season a few years ago, but it was an opportunity to <coughs> dig in a little bit deeper into this passage, and I... Um, shared a story of being on a trail uh, mm. and trying to make a comparison of what it might have been like for these two on the journey uh, to come across one that they didn't recognize and to strike up a conversation and for that conversation to be so powerful and meaningful. So I thought about that a little bit, but as it relates to the message on um, this past Sunday, I think the first thing that comes to mind that is a very significant bridge to me is something that that I have often wished I could listen in on, and that is for Jesus to explain all of the ways in Mm. which Scripture relates to him, Moses and the prophets. I'm not sure why nobody interviewed these two (laughs) and got all these details. Yeah, seriously. And put it into our sacred scriptures because this is this would be one I'd want to yeah. hear and know. This is a fo- this story is a footnote and the footnote <laughs> here is from the stories that Jesus told Clopas and the other guy on the way. Yeah, 100% agree with that. <laughs> um, but one of the things that is powerful is that Jesus here identifies that this storyline has some real longevity to it. Mm. And I know that certainly faithful, devout Jews would be very familiar with telling their own story over and over again and becoming familiar with the ways in which the idea of the Messiah, the Christ, would weave throughout their scriptures. But for Jesus to articulate, did you not know that this one had to come Mm -hmm. and suffer before um, glory or glorification could take place? Yeah. The passage that we looked at in First Peter speaks about the Lamb being chosen before creation ever took place, that this has been part of God's plan all along. And I just love that Jesus emphasizes that in this interaction with these two, mm-hmm. that this is a storyline um, that is bigger than this weekend's activities, yeah. which is what they're all uptight about, yeah, is don't yeah. you know what's happened this weekend? Um, are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know? Um, and so I find it as a great reminder that once again, Jesus brings back the um, idea, the notion, the importance of we're attached to something that's far bigger than this moment. Yeah. And yet very attentive to this moment as well. Recognizes their needs, recognizes um, how they he might speak into who they are right now in this moment. So it's one of the things that I love about our faith journey is that there is this constant push and pull, but in a complementary fashion, mm. as if one only happens because of the other, that they're interconnected in some way, 
the small story of what my day is like today and my relationship with you right mm-hmm. now in this moment, yeah. as well as a story that's as big as our lives and so much bigger than that. Yeah. And so Jesus reminds them, this is the story that wraps its arms around your story and finally brings them back to the ways in which the elements that they were eating reminded them of, oh, oh, and then he disappears. Yeah. So. Yeah. um, And I was able to talk with my daughter about this passage, actually, Mm, because this is the passage that Jordan and uh, our children's director was having them talk about in children's church. And because I asked her, I was like, what did you learn in children's church today? And she she was like, yeah, the story about uh, two guys walking down a road and uh, Jesus shows up and then he disappears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and which startled me. And I was like, oh, yeah, the whole disappearing part. That's really fascinating. And just to hear Rosie's perspective on it of like, yeah, like that was so interesting to me. And and then she's like, why did Jesus have to disappear? And I was like, yeah, bro, why does Jesus have to yeah. disappear? Yeah. I don't and that, well, those great dead moments when you have no great answer. Yeah, even as somebody who has studied these texts and uh yeah, it still is like, yeah, great great question, Rosie. And that's always something that like I've thought about in this passage as well. Um and it reminds me of of kind of what something you were saying in in service of the of the the breadth of the pool that we're playing in. Right, you made this comparison between swimming and God's grace and love, and it's something to play in. And that immediately, when we start thinking like it's only this small, right? These are the boundaries. The boundaries are bigger than we would have imagined. Mm. And uh, to take the comparison and kind of put it with this story, it reminds me that as much as I like love Jesus and follow Christ and learn his teachings and and try to um, embody what it is to follow Christ in the world. I never own Jesus. <laughs> like I never find the bottom of the pool, right? Like there is there is more to explore. And the moment that I think I've like can hug Jesus and hold him tightly and like, you're not going anywhere else, Jesus, like is the moment that I, I whiff, <laughs> right? And Jesus <laughs> vanishes and there's more to explore. And, and it keeps, for me, in reflecting on this passage, just one aspect of it, uh, keeps me humble. And that, yeah, I, I can't ever find the bottom of the pool. I can't ever yeah. get to the, to the boundaries in such a way that I now own the pool. I, I play in it. I go to the boundary, like the boundaries to like find safety and like catch my breath when I'm tired. And also like there's way more to explore. Yeah. Last Wednesday night, I shared a story that I have shared on Sunday morning a couple of times, but it's been a while. And it's a story of when I was a little kid and uh, we went to a state park um, near Cleveland, which is where we lived at the time. And my mom had the picnic lunch, my sister's helping get it all set up, and I was really interested in heading down to the swimming hole, which was a legitimate swimming hole. It was like a pond that had some water dammed up at one end, 
and uh, retaining wall at the shallow end and there are some kids playing out in the deep waters. My dad went with me and um, he held my hand and so in one hand I had my dad's hand and the other hand I was holding onto the retaining wall. Dad got me into the water, water got higher and higher, it was just cool enough, made me nervous and the water got up to the middle of my chest and I, Dad said, do you want to go out deeper? And I said, no, 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 I'm fine right here and I never quite let go of the retaining wall. Yeah. And uh, got to the other side and I said something about love to go back and get a sandwich and we did and mom asked what happened and uh, um, I said well we went in the swimming hole and she said well did you just go by yourself and I said no no I went with dad and she said but his trunks aren't even wet <laughs> and that's how small and tiny I was uh -huh. But that I never even came close to reaching my dad's capacity mm. to care for me, hold me, to go into the deeper waters. And I realized yeah. that it was what I needed at the moment, but I had so under-experienced all that there was to experience where all the kids were playing in the deep end and my dad's capacity to watch over me, hold me, keep me safe. Yeah. And I've never forgotten that as mm. a kind of just what you said a recognition that I haven't really even begun to explore the breadth the width of God's grace God's love the yeah. freedom I have in Christ and I think like an aha moment for the two on the road to Emmaus every once in a while I go oh yeah mm -hmm. I'm not even close yeah. <laughs> to tapping into God's um, God's goodness for us yeah. God's grace for us yeah, and the beauty of the faith that we have been invited into. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's good to be with you today, Dee. Thanks, Matt. You as well.